This reminds me of Trevor Noah's stand-up where in during apartheid times when him and his mom would go for walks and the police would come and then she would drop their hands like, hey, hey, I don't know who this person is. <laughs> Hey guys, if you haven't met me before, my name is Dean and welcome to this episode. This is the second episode of the Cold Experience podcast and we're going back to our real roots of the Lester Bucket podcast where we're tackling different topics in the effort to learn more about them. And for today, I wanted to talk about privilege, especially considering that more of the topics that I'll be talking on moving forward will have a lot of intersectionality in terms of how people's experiences have been manifesting. And in order for me to truly honor that, I think it's also important for us to really understand where all of us are coming from. And as you experience and watch all of the different videos and podcast episodes that I'm going to be giving out to you guys, I think it's also really important to understand where you stand in your own life and to understand how other people might be affected by the privileges that you have, the privileges that I might have. I might not do the topic justice because of my worldview. So I want this to be like the base ground for all of us. Then see, okay, this is what my privilege looks like and this is how I can help other people. So I hope you really enjoyed today's episode and let's get right into it. To begin, we're going to be defining what privilege is, as well as giving a couple of examples of what it might look like. So for everyone on the podcast, you can actually catch this video on YouTube right now, but I was just going to say that I'm going to put the little caption of what privilege means right about here for you guys to understand. Privilege refers to unlearned advantages or benefits that a person receives as a result of their social identity. These advantages can be in the form of access to resources, opportunity, or protection from discrimination. Examples of privilege include white privilege, male privilege, cisgender privilege, and socioeconomic privilege. To say the least, it's really important for us to actually talk about privilege in its entirety. We need to understand what other people have gone through and how they understand and interpret the world to further help them. If we don't know what people have gone through or what they actually need, how then can we honestly create a better society? Additionally, when it comes to us actually taking that step forward as privileged individuals to try and help other people out in marginalized communities, we are able to then create spaces that benefit them based on what they actually need and not what we perceive that they need. Because I find that that's actually been a disconnect and a lot of the times that people say we want to help, we want to help, we want to support you, especially within allyship. We will discuss allyship in this episode, but just to touch on it very lightly, sometimes we don't do allyship properly because we have our perceived notion that everyone wants what we want, and that's not really true. For some people, they might want to take a different approach, or they just have different needs that we may not have even considered to be needs in the first place. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation that I'll be having with myself <laughs> and that you will learn something too. And if you have any thoughts or ideas or comments about privilege or even your own privilege after this video, I would love to hear more about it. in many different contexts, societies, no matter what part of the world that you're in, there is some sense of privilege that you might experience and it might be different everywhere you go. For example, I'm a black person living in Malaysia. I have some privileges and I don't have some. But let's say I move back to Ethiopia where I grew up, my circumstances might be very different. Or if I go back to my home country, which is Zambia, then again, we've got more privileges there that I might be able to gain, but some others that I might lose. I think as a setting ground to basically understand how privilege manifests, I'm gonna be talking about some of the major aspects 
of privilege and how it's seen by a majority of people in society. Of course, there's always room for nuance. There's always room for, okay, it's not exactly like this, but a version of it might exist where you are. And I would like to see if you guys can actually identify it as I list them down here. I'm going to be listing down a couple of areas and talking about them briefly so that you can further understand what it means to be privileged within those ways. So we're going to be starting with race. Shameless plug here, but I did do an episode on colorism. I'm yet to do an episode on racism. I would really like to touch on it, especially considering that I think my worldview of racism has honestly continued to be shaped and changed as I have lived in Asia, as I have interacted with people from around the world. But just going back to specifically colorism and racism and how it relates to race, I do see that if you live in a country or in a place where some races are seen as better than others, of course, there is a privilege there. So we know like the basic one where people are like, okay, white people are up here and then black people are like down here. So the whole idea of race is it's just something that you just cannot change. There is such a thing as transracialism, but that's a whole topic on its own that I won't really get into. But I will link a video to a YouTuber that I enjoy that I think really touched on it really well in a way that I resonated with. Um, so you can show her some love and I will be leaving her card somewhere in here or I'll just be leaving the link somewhere in the description as well. But essentially when it comes to race, people have their own preconceived notion and biases towards different races. Like race A is lazy, race B are thieves, race C tend to keep to themselves and hoard resources. There's so many different aspects and ways that people are categorized, both maybe positively and negatively. With race and all those stereotypes, we can then further see this when it comes to education employment and how opportunities are given. For example, I know that one thing that is common is that if someone cannot pronounce your name, let's say you have a very ethnic looking name, then they would be like, mm, I don't want to take the time to actually learn how to say this person's name. So you're already in the reject pile. So I know that this is a common practice in certain countries where if I can't say your name, you will not get hired. So a lot of people would actually change their names to sound more Western sounding, something like very bland. And then from there, they would go to and through most of the interview stages so that they actually have a fighting chance. So that's a privilege. It's a privilege to basically be basic. <laughs> Not like that, but when it does come to race where some people are uplifted for being quote unquote basic, where people are more unique or there are people of color who are just trying to have a better life or there are people who are living there who are maybe from the indigenous population. They might just not be afforded the same opportunities or just treated the same way simply because of how they look or which race that they belong to. So race is one thing that can be a privilege. Another privilege you can consider is gender. I never really felt this one until I basically started to identify as non-binary and trans. And this is mostly because if you're not a cisgender man or cisgender woman, and you're somewhere outside of the binary or mixing the binaries together, a lot of people will not understand how to categorize you. And because, again, another shameless plug, if you listen to my episode on gender, I talk about how your gender is also your self-expression. So if even how you self-express does not fit within what is culturally acceptable or what is within the binary, that too can be a privilege. Privilege in the sense that you were, you know, born female, you identify as a woman, and you just so happen to be interested in things that other women are interested within the binary. That in itself is a privilege because for others, 
they don't really have that. They don't have that option to basically show up every day in the world and feel comfortable as who they are. And even going out dressing the way that they feel might even be a risk. So even like in little ways like that where some people might not consider it, even you just identifying as a man or as a woman and you are just so happy to be a cis man and a cis woman, that in itself is a privilege. But even within you actually identifying as you are, again we see even more disparity in terms of how men and women are treated in terms of employment and how much they are realistically paid. I'm really yet to see a many more countries or a majority of countries see women for the value that they have and to pay them equally with men. I am kind of aware of the statistics of how women and men are paid around the world and in most if not all cases usually women are paid a little bit lower or significantly lower than their male counterparts where there was this this twitter page that was essentially exposing different companies in the uk and to see if there was salary um disparities so were men on average making more than women so i found that extremely interesting because for some of people's faves they were like oh my goodness men are being paid more are we really surprised are we honestly in shock? I don't think so. But then there were other companies that were just like, well, that were like just nice, where the numbers were matching just about the same. And I was like, okay, okay. I see that there are companies out there that are actively trying to battle this whole idea of men are better than women, but also like taking the steps to show that within their leadership and within their compensation. So even within that, taking even away from the LGBTQ experience, even within the binary of it all, people still discriminate against each other and that's another reality of being a privileged man. The next one is sexuality. For a lot of people, I know that their stance on this is what you do in the bed, what you do in your house, what you do behind closed doors is none of my business, who you're sleeping with, none of my business. But I think one thing, especially being someone who's openly out and about on the town, <laughs> It can be a privilege to just be able to exist. It's very scary to you know, want to hold your partner's hand at any point, at any time someone could report you to the cops or when you are maybe taking a walk by yourselves and you see someone approaching and you're really not sure about their stance on things, you just have to like drop their hand. And this reminds me of Trevor Noah's stand-up where in, during a part that times when him and his mom would go for walks and the police would come and then she would drop their hands like, hey, hey, I don't know who this person is. It kind of feels the same way in the sense that you know you don't you just don't want to get in trouble and at the same time you just want to exist with the person that you love you just want to hold their hand maybe kiss their cheek maybe give them a hug in public and not have it be like looked down upon or not have people just look at you like Ooh. I mean like you've you we've seen heterosexual couples and how they do PDA it's not are the straights okay? <laughs> but essentially, I never really realized how much of a privilege that was until I started dating and I wanted to be more open with my partners in the sense that maybe I would want to put my arm around their shoulder, maybe I would want to hold their hands, maybe we're waiting for our food at the restaurant and they'd want to hold their hands or something like that and I didn't want to come across as, you know, I didn't want to make other people uncomfortable but even within that sense of I did not want to get arrested, I did not want to get in trouble with the law and I think even worse off being in Malaysia, ah. Do I want to incriminate myself? It's fine. This, this, that's for another day. <laughs> but yeah, that's how sexuality, I feel, can be a privilege, especially if you're straight. Just the ability to adopt children, the ability to get married, the ability to just, you know, exist. Do what you want, start your family, and just be able to do all of those things. Those are definitely privileges that the queer community does not really see for themselves. And if anything, it just puts them in danger, just being who they are and just loving who they want to love.
Another one which is a little bit more universal is class. So I know that we usually separate it into like upper class, middle class, lower class, and then maybe you might be in like the upper lower class or maybe you're like in the middle class but like in the higher percentile that's close to being in the upper class. The class that you belong to will also determine the kind of opportunities that you get. And this is where I think that I do have a privilege because I think growing up I've always seen like, you know, race, you see how black people are treated across of the world and I know how we're perceived by a lot of people in general like this is a very vague generalization I know not all people but it's just enough people to be extremely wary about how I present myself in different spaces and of course come being a queer person both within my gender and within my sexuality when I came to class class is essentially who you have access to what you have access to and how you can gain and continue to gain more access to different spaces and this is definitely more about your socioeconomics about how much money your family has how much wealth has been accumulated by you and for me my privilege is that both my parents are well to do and they're not struggling they might be struggling in other ways but not financially <laughs> don't quote me on that all right <laughs> main idea being that i've never had to worry about not having a roof over my head i've never had to worry about where my next meal will come from I mean, mine is being a college student making dumb decisions, but all in all, I knew that I always had a really good pillow to fall back on. And let's say if, if and when I ever decide to actually move back to, let's say, Zambia, or if I decide to get an international job, so my parents are all connected and they can always put in a good word for me, ask a favor from a friend, nepotism. And I guess I have a lot of doors that are open to me if I do go knocking on them. So that's kind of what it means to be within this class and to be, you know, allow these opportunities, nothing by my own power but because i just so happen to have the financial means to get there a lot of people don't have that they don't have these doors just open to them they don't just enter rooms i there are some rooms that i can just enter because my mom so happened to be there before me my dad so happened to be there before me a relative or a friend of a friend so happened to be there before me so they can stand up and vouch for me whereas for some people they're there by their own merits and they have to then vouch for themselves so I guess that's where class comes in. It's about your money, it's who you know, how well you're connected. And for some people, they're just lucky. And for others, not so much. The last area that I think was a bit more interesting for me when I was researching and preparing for this is ability. I think because I didn't grow up around a lot of people who are disabled or had, you know, certain handicaps, I didn't really get a grasp of how the world was definitely created for people who are able-bodied and not necessarily for those who are disabled. And when I did move to Malaysia, one thing that I did notice was the effort by the government to essentially try to create. So in Malaysia, they call them OKU. So OKU friendly infrastructure. So if you're in a wheelchair, you can still get access to the train. If you are blind, yeah, you still get the same access. So there are different things that have been put in place to allow people to enter different places and different buildings. Of course, not every place is perfect. Yes, there are some places where it's still very difficult for people who are in wheelchairs, who are blind, who are deaf, who are, or, or not even that, let's go in, even like people who have different mental illnesses, even having for them to then how to try to hold down a job, how to cope with different stresses and how to basically normalize the neurodivergence. And for some people who are just, people who are quote unquote normal, I don't think that's the best idea because I do feel everyone is normal to some extent. So for people in society that are deemed normal in terms of your body and how it is like do you have two arms do you have two legs you know are you able to speak and you seek and you do all of these things or even within you know, like your mental health state you know are you depressed are you this are you that so if you just don't have any of those that in itself is a privilege because one not only can you just function through life easily because i think life is kind of built for people who are 
normal i guess now that we are trying to have discussions on being more inclusive towards people and being more inclusive about how we go about creating infrastructure and trying to allow more people to experience the world just as they are instead of feeling like they're a burden i still feel like we've got a long way to go but i do think that there are some steps that are being put in place that have been great to see but of course there's so much more that we need to do because from the get-go people who were disabled were not really recognized or seen as second class, third class citizens. And now it's time to just see them as the citizens that they are. Those are five general areas that we can focus on when we talk about privilege because I think those are kind of universal. But of course we have other ones such as, you know, pretty privilege. Where if someone is just attractive, we get like, I forgot what it's called, something bias. Where you see a pretty person and you automatically just give them these good traits. Like, oh, this person must be hardworking. Oh, this person must be blah, A, B, C, D. We give them all these positive traits without them having shared who they are and what they're really capable of doing. I guess that is on us problem especially considering that we didn't really even pick what beauty standards were but okay the world moves on i think another thing that's also worth noting is that there are a lot of intersections so for example you might be a-okay in some areas then in other areas uh, an example i can give for myself is that for example if i was living back in zambia i would be privileged because of my race and black and because of my socioeconomic class because parents are they're a-okay and i'm able-bodied uh, because there, there actually isn't a lot of infrastructure for people who are disabled but where i would fall short then is my gender and sexuality because you know that's a big thing for a conservative country like are you going to get married to a man are you going to have children are you going to fit into the mold that everyone has fitted into so that's where i might be a little underprivileged where i might not be able to you know marry someone that i'd actually want or maybe even be able to adopt with said person or all of that fun stuff so even though we might be privileged in some areas in other areas not so much but i would say that if you have money i think even just having i think money money privilege should be like another thing of its own i think class is one thing because of course class there is a sense of respectability but i do think that if you do have money and the means you can get away with anything honestly you can get away if you're like you're just richer than everyone else you listen you could be the most disenfranchised person ever you got money i think that's a very interesting caveat of it all if that makes sense like why is that a reality but anyways those are the areas that i wanted to highlight in terms of the type of privileges that exist of course there are many more but i think these are the five that a lot of people kind of see day to day but if there are other kinds of privileges that you have noticed do let me know in the comments i would love to hear what you guys have to say So, what is allyship? Allyship refers to the actions and attitudes of individuals who actively work to support and advocate for marginalized groups. Being an ally involves recognizing one's own privilege and using that privilege to support marginalized groups. It also means listening to and learning from the experiences of marginalized groups and taking action to address the ways in which privilege and oppression affect them. So in a nutshell, it's you trying to be the person who gives another person the megaphone to say we need help that is what it means to be an ally it, it does not mean you take over the conversation it does not mean you become the face of a movement it means that you're there to put your resources to open doors to get them in there 
so that they can start to gain some of the same rights and opportunities that you might have. That's the idea behind it. And I wanted to further emphasize that because I do see that a lot of the times some people like to ride the waves of different protests or different social issues as it means for clout chasing. They want a lot of followers, they want to gain all of that, but that's not what it's about. I mean, you could have seen this clearly back in 2020 when the Black Lives Matter marches were going on. Globally, a lot of people were in support of George Floyd's family. And we also where people would just be posting those black squares. This is ooh, ooh, ooh. But realistically, outside of that, what did they do? What did they say? How did they help? Now, I think a sidetrack to this is you do not have to be an ally. I just think you do not, you just don't be an asshole. That's it. You don't have to help people that you do not care about. If you do not care about them, you, I honestly see no point in you even trying to help because it will not be true commitment from your heart. It will not be true to who you are as a person. Go with people who you care about, who you might identify with and who you want to uplift and help them. Do not have to help everyone because that would just wear you out thin for starters. You don't have to be an ally to everyone in terms of exerting yourself and your time. But then within the same respect of that, there are, there are causes that are very close and deep to my heart that I will be vocal for, that I will speak out about. It's not every single cause, but the ones that do matter to me, you will see that they matter to me. A cause that is very deep to my heart and is very timely for this video is how Beyonce yet again got snubbed for a Grammy that she deserved and so help me God, I will not burn down the Grammys. The Academy Awards. Right? I'm in a very dark place knowing that Beyonce did not win album of the year. So once you've identified a cause or a group of people that you would like to help, without trying to hijack the platform that they're trying to create for themselves and try to not be at the forefront of everything despite you maybe being there to help, here are some ways that you can be an ally in, I guess, the right way. The first way, first and foremost, is to educate yourself. Spend some time learning about the issue that you then want to fight for, or the issue where you see you have a privilege but do not understand or know the stories of others. Like I mentioned at the beginning of this video, a lot of the times we have an idea of what marginalized people want without actually having spoke to them to understand what do they want. What is their life story and what do they realistically need to maybe get to the next level? For some people, it might be something as simple as having guaranteed housing. For some people, it might be as simple as knowing where the next meal is going to be coming from for the next couple of weeks or months. We don't know exactly what people might want and that's why it's so important for us to sit down, one, educate ourselves and two, talk to the very people we are thinking of helping. Where I think hot take, where I think a lot of NGOs fall short is that they have a glorified idea of making the world this really big sunshine rainbow mm, mm, and they get all these donations to be like oh my gosh we're gonna donate this we're gonna donate that we're gonna ah and i don't want to trump on their enthusiasm to try and help people i mean ngos are problematic in other ways which i will not discuss in this video but it's just this whole idea of i feel like they're not really doing anything to really help where these people might be in need of help. Or at least that's how I see it sometimes, especially growing up on the African continent. I grew up in Ethiopia, one of the countries that's been considered the hungriest. <laughs> Maybe I was contributing to that hunger. We don't know. Hey, you can't say anything. I'm an African. You'll laugh at my jokes. 
it's okay to laugh. I've given you permission. <laughs> but in this idea of having me living in Ethiopia, I know what the poverty looks like. I know what people need. What they needed was proper housing. What they needed was more economic stability. What they needed was more political stability. What they needed was a way for the cost of living to go down just enough. They needed ways to create more opportunities for jobs, for people to actually live and feed their families. That's what they needed. But I think where some NGOs would come in, they would take the short end route of, we'll just give you food. Okay, food is great. But but realistically, how sustainable is it to continue to give these people food if maybe you don't teach them how to grow their own food, you don't teach them how to create their own resources so they don't have to rely on you. But <laughs> this is this is a tangent. But that is where I think we need to educate ourselves on what people actually want and give them what they need to continue to sustain themselves. I think this idea of I'll continue to take care of you is very unsustainable and it's just a way or an excuse to then not properly help people. Yes, maybe the first day you come, you give them food, great. What are you doing after that to make sure that they're able to sustain the kind of life that they want for themselves and not the kind of life that we want to perpetuate onto them? Damn, got a bit passionate there. That's education in a nutshell. And I think, and speaking from experience, slowly educating myself on different social issues and different topics, I found that I was very, I'm very slow to react to a lot of things now because I come from a place of, I do not fully understand what is happening for me then to use my platform to say something or for me to then donate to this cause or for me to then do A, B, C, D. I think that's where educating kind of helped me to be very deliberate in terms of who I help and how I help as opposed to just helping everyone and not really getting anything done at the end of the day. So yeah, educate yourselves on different issues that you care about. Next area I think that is important is speaking up. Speaking up for those who can't speak up, so maybe you could be using a megaphone and I know some celebrities um, like to give their Instagram away for a day so that they can highlight certain different issues. Like I know a month of February, a lot of people are highlighting cancer. So even like doing that, just giving your platform away for others to speak up on, that's a really brilliant way that you can be an ally and allowing other people to share their stories and experiences in hopes that they can get the things that they need to further better their quality of life. This one, take it with a grain of salt. Um, I saw this reason and I'm like, okay, yes, NGOs, but like there are always going to be collectives and organizations that are going to be doing the work with the people who have been marginalized or disenfranchised and those will always exist. I think going back and leaning back to the first point, which is educate yourself, find causes where you can kind of see where your money or where your time is going and making sure that they're actually helping the people the way they need to be helped. I think don't just give your money away. Take some time. Like I said, if you truly care, take some time to educate yourself, get acquainted with the people, and then from there, maybe you might pick an organization whose mottos and actions match what you think should be done, and then you can work from there. Working with organizations is not a bad idea. I'm just saying, be wary. <laughs> Another area is that you must reflect on your own privilege. I never really reflected on my privilege until about 2020, when we were in, uh, when COVID was at its peak, and I realized that I was very privileged in the sense that I didn't have to worry about money, my accommodation, nothing, but for some of my friends, that was their worry, and for some other people, they lost so much during COVID, and I definitely see myself as someone who's really lucky that both my parents were okay during COVID, and that that everything, during the, during the height of the pandemic, my parents and relatives for the most part were doing fine. If anything, I think I was the one who was in the most danger being in Asia because Africa, Africa was chill, bro. Nothing happened, no. 
be humble. <laughs> but it's just this whole idea that I found myself being in a lot of rooms where I was trying to stand up for a lot of people at my uni who felt like they were being very treated unfair or they were paying for things that they weren't using and things like that. So I did try to step in and be the voice to be like, hey, actually, you guys are being rude, be nice, kind of vibe. <laughs> but once I kind of like, oh, I have a privilege here. Or even later on when I did come out as, um, when I did affirm my sexuality and gender further and finding out that, oh, Mm. My my privilege has gone down in this area, so it's little things like that where we can recognize where we can help realistically, and other ways that maybe we might need some help ourselves. So I think that's also super important. And I think also within that, even within like marginalized communities, it's always great when we come together to help one another and to try and uplift each other. The last area I want to talk about is essentially just being accountable. Accountable in the sense that, you know, we're all given different choices in our lives and for me one choice that I have made is that I do want to make this world a better place and I would love to be an ally to people who I can be an ally to through my own personal privileges and just being accountable towards that. This is my own personal thing where I'm like, I care about this community and I want to try and help this community as much as possible. Like for example, I have a very, 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 very soft place for people who are orphans and who do not have parents because, hey, this is for therapy. But essentially, orphans and people who've been abandoned by their families have a very special and deep place in my heart. And I do try my best to donate as much as I can, whether it's my clothes, whether it's things that I'm not using anymore, to really help uplift them. And that's just always been something deep in my heart. And that's how I try to be accountable. Like every year, I try to make sure that you know, I take some time to go in my wardrobe to donate as much as I can and I think each year I've been able to donate bagfuls because if you don't follow me on Instagram, I'm trying to be a fashion influencer. So sometimes it's going to be clothes that, you know, I don't want anymore and instead of, you know, just chucking them out or selling them, I'm like, you know what, there's probably someone who would really appreciate this shirt, who would really appreciate this pair of shoes and I just give them away because I think that's my sense of accountability towards making this world a better place but it might look very different from you but all in all it's doing that work to make this place better and i really hope that you do choose to make this place better with me with the community that means the most to you to conclude this episode i would say that we all have our different privileges and it takes time to really get to a place where we really understand how we can use our privileges as a power to help other people. And I think what is worth taking away or what is worth noting is that we can make our world a better place and that I, for some odd reason, I'm very hopeful that we will we care about enough each other enough to try and get us through these difficult times. I do have some semblance of hope for humanity. I feel like it's very futile having hope for humanity, but I guess I'm hopeful. <laughs> Wherever you are in the world, wherever you're listening to, wherever you're watching this from, I would just continue to encourage you to try and make the world around you more beautiful, to bring more smiles to people's faces, and to just be the change that you want to see for maybe your government, your politicians. What, what, what piece can you do to then make the world a better place? That's my food for thought for you. Otherwise, thank you so much for coming to today's episode. I... 
I'm Dean. That's <laughs> the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening or watching wherever you are. And honestly, if you really liked this video, give it a thumbs up. If you're listening on Spotify or on Apple or on podcast or whatever platform, be sure to subscribe. I will be back in the, in the next month, hopefully with a guest. So that's exciting. But otherwise, I'll catch you next week in another YouTube video. Uh, otherwise, deuces. Please be kind, be hydrate, and just a cheesy line. Be the change that you want to see in the world.